The cinema burnt down. The popcorn machine set fire and it burnt down. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I was skilled at that popcorn machine. I had all the moves. It's a film that rejuvenated franchise. Do you mean a genre? A genre, I did mean a genre. <laughs> Neil. I'm going to go a four on. You're dead to me. <laughs> Figured that, yeah. I saw this was on Netflix and then I scrolled through your entire list of, of shows, every single title that you've done to see if you'd done Scream. And when I came across it, you had no idea how happy that made me. Hello, everyone. Joining Flix Watcher today, we have David. Hello. Neil. Hello. And Kobe. Do you like scary movies? And we're here to talk about Scream. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have David and Neil. Over to you, please, Neil, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hey folks, my name's Neil and I'm the co-host of the Weeding the Roads podcast. We're a kind of general film and TV podcast where we just talk about stuff we like and what we watch. David's kind of our horror slash TV basement guy now because he doesn't generally leave the house and I'm the guy who's out at the cinema every week. So between the two of us, we cover quite a lot of stuff. Also, we've added in a, a third friend now. We've got our friend Jose, who joins us from the States on a semi-regular basis as well. So, uh, yeah, we've been doing this about two and a half years now. We're up to around 60 episodes. And, yeah, it's, it's, we just do it because it's fun. We love talking about TV shows and movies. And but apparently other people like listening to us talk about them as well. So, uh, yeah, well, it's never a chore. It's always fun for us to do this. Have you ever talked about Back to the Future at all, given the, net, the title of the, of the film and the, and the styling of the... We have not pu- yet, purely because when we do it, we want to make it worthwhile. And there have been so many other podcasts that have detailed how mu- however many, you know, the, all the behind the scenes stuff, all the different stories about Back to the Future. And I think what we find when we do it, it's going to be what our personal reaction was to it. When we've done our top 10 lists over the uh, past couple of years, the, the films that always make our top 10 list, they're in that list for a reason. And the reason is what the film was like, what our experience was when we saw the film. So, you know, Back to the Future 2, I think I saw, was one of the first films I saw in a cinema. The first film I saw was E.T. So you can never go better than that for, like, your first ever film. Well, E.T. was my first ever film, but I was too young to remember it. But I do remember certainly seeing Back to the Future 2 in the cinema, and it was, like, that was the first time I've had, like, build-up for a film coming out and being excited to go to the cinema. Normally, it's just my parents going, well, we're going to the cinema today. So you can remember the times when we still had to queue to go into a movie. You know, I remember queuing up for about three hours to see Terminator 2 when it came out. And I actually miss those times in a way, to be fair. <laughs> I don't. I Probably not now. Not my age now, I don't miss it. I like, haven't queue up for that long. But back in the day when he was a kid, I just... Yeah, because it, it just made the excitement for seeing it even more. Yeah, I don't remember queuing because I think there was, was always at the time when I bought the tickets in advance via phone. I remember that that kind of nonsense, which was always <laughs> that was difficult enough in itself. Going to like the free newspaper 
and finding the, your local cinema and finding the, the number and see what times the films on. That's what I did. David, do you remember queues? I don't remember. I remember creating the queues. <laughs> I used to work in a cinema, which is probably why I hate them so yeah. much. <laughs> As an experience, you mean? Yeah, but I was so bad at my job. The cinema burnt down. The popcorn machine set fire <laughs> and it burnt down. I'd, well, I'll tell you, I was skilled at that popcorn machine. I had all the moves. Were you the inspiration for Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> but no, I, I was the one creating the cues by just being so slow. At the, <laughs> where would you like your seat, sir? Oh, and then just the most indecisive customer yeah. 10 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Springs at the bottom. <laughs> You're the reason there's apps now, David. I'm so glad that apps exist for, for this reason. I can pick my own seat. The thing I want to know most on these seating plans is where's the exit? Because it's never clear... And I don't want to be at the end, which is first away from the exit, when, when the cinema finishes. I want to know where the exit is and then yeah. plant myself in relation to that and the screen at the same time. They never tell you that. I 100% agree with you. Not because I want to get out quick, because I have IBS and you never know when that's going to hit. So you've got to just a swift exit to the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> and knowing where that exit seat is, is vital. And other people with IBS will understand my pain. So we need guys... Cinema, seat planners, just put the exit on, just put the door. But just say door sign, little door sign, little little image, icon of a door on the side where it is and it makes things easier. In other app developer news, <laughs> we'd also like to see this on your cinema app. Yeah, exactly. But we are talking today about your choice of film today, David, and that was Scream. Tell us first of all why you chose it and then I'll get the timer up in which you will have less than 60 seconds, less than one minute to tell us the synopsis as if anyone listening to this doesn't know what the synopsis is. I was so excited to get to talk about Scream. Scream is one of my favourite movies, if not my favourite movie. When, I, you know, when Neil asked, OK, we've we got to come up with a film, it's on Netflix. I saw this is on Netflix. And then I scrolled through your entire list of, of shows, every single title that you've done to see if you'd done Scream. And when I came across it, you have no idea how happy that made me. Can you not just do Command F or Control F to type in Scream and jump to... <laughs> but the anticipation of scrolling through nearly 300 films to discover it was still available would have been amazing. It wasn't, I know, when we was getting to like the top 10, you know, top 50, top 20, or the sweat started coming. What would have happened if it was there, but right, right at the bottom of the list? If you, cause we, if you go to our website and go to forward slash score, you can arrange the films by the scoring we've given them. I genuinely think I'd have been heartbroken if it was there. Genuinely, after scrolling that far, doing doing it the way I did, if it was like the first film that you guys covered, you know what? That might have been the end of me. Wouldn't you have been happy though, David, that it was the first film they did? <laughs> Actually, you know, yeah, that would have made you guys really cool. We're not. No, we're not. No, we're not <laughs> it seems, because we did do it first. It was only because it wasn't on Netflix when we started. Anyway, so, synopsis, starting now. Okay, this is either going to go really bad or really good. Oh, okay, so Scream is a slasher film written by Kevin Williamson and directed by the legendary Wes Craven. Set in a fictional town of Woodsboro, the killer Ghostface taunts their victims with phone calls before slicing and dicing. The killers, the killings all centre around Sydney Prescott and her friend group on the one-year anniversary of Sydney's mother's murder. Scream is not your typical slasher in the mould of Halloween or Friday the 13th in that there's no supernatural killer. Instead, it adopts a Giallo-style murder mystery which has kept its audiences guessing who the killer is throughout the franchise. It adopts the meta approach and it's set in a world where slashers exist with rules for surviving a horror film. 
film. This is a horror film and franchise that loves and recognizes the beauty of its own genre. Originally a trilogy, the franchise now consists of six films with the latest coming out this year. Bam, how much time do I have left? You had seven seconds. Hasn't it come out already as we record it? Yeah. It has, it has. It's, it's out, yeah. Scream 6 is, I think, finished. It's cinema run. No, it's still out, man. Yeah. You can still see it. Can you still see it? Yeah, it's yeah. out. I'll book your tickets, guys. <laughs> You're not going to see it, are you? Because you don't like the cinemas. I did go to see this one. I love Scream that much. I actually suffered the cinema experience to watch it. This is interesting. When people bring a film that they love and wear it on their sleeve, it can happen that they get disappointed but people feel dejected by a film. <laughs> I'm going to be really sad if you guys don't like it. <laughs> I think that's leading the jury there. Jury there. I'm not sure about that kind of antics. I think you've planted the seed now that you don't like it and that, you know what, that's there. That's just going to grow. Uh, I think it was you, Helen, that put something on Instagram in one of your stories saying that feeling when you show a film that you love to someone that you love and they're not paying attention and just looking at it and go, what's the matter? You're not... Every day we watch a film in our house. <laughs> <laughs> I've stopped trying to do films that I love with people, not just my wife, but we can kind of tell which films she'll like. But I used to do that a lot to people. It's like, here's an amazing film I love. And they're like, sorry, why do you like this film again, Kirby? And it's, it's weird that it is, it is, it can be a gut punch. Anyway, Neil, do you hate Scream? No, I don't hate it, no. But I mean, when we, when we did our top 10 horror films of all time, this was, this is David's favourite film of all time, as well as his favourite horror film of all time. And I did it, did it make it into my top 10, David? I can't remember. I better have. I think if it was, it was like down around number nine or ten. I mean, for me, The Thing was the best horror film of all time. We've had it on here. Yeah, you can't go wrong with The Thing. No, I, I really enjoyed Scream. I mean, I have had, I've still got the old VHS in the cupboard somewhere of Scream 1 and 2. Why? Just didn't want to chuck them out. We used to have an ex-rental VHS place near us, so we would just go in and buy a film for like a pound and lunchtimes. I mean, there's some horrifically bad horror films we used to pick up there for next to no money but that's getting off the point so yes yeah, scream no i actually saw it in the cinema when it first came out as well so i remember i think i've seen every scream film in the cinema loved one thought it was superb i thought two was really good three and four i thought were a bit creaky but then i got back on board with it again and i've really enjoyed uh, five and six and in fact i think they did a double bill when six came out the other week with five and six back to back on the same night and watching it the second time in the cinema because i hadn't watched it again since i saw it in the cinema a year ago when it five came out because I enjoyed it when I watched it, didn't really think about it. But then watching it the second time, knowing who the killer is or were, and it without giving anything away, I was enjoyed it much more. And then it made me enjoy six more because of the work they'd put in in five. And they were clearly leading somewhere with what they'd set up in five for six. So, um, yeah, I'm a um, big fan. Let's get away from the latter ones because we're, we're trying to support those latter films. But my question, my main question is, one thing I thought when I re-saw this again, which is the first time in maybe four or five years, is that it seems quite tame, actually, for what was definitely an 18. How does the kind of gore and violence compare in the latter films to this one? I think, actually, it's probably still quite... It's never been a f sort of franchise that's overly gory or overly even scary. Scream's never really been that. I mean, even when it was released, it was... Oh, I can't remember. The, what, the American ratings. Oh. NC-17 is the, is the strongest one. It, and then R is the one just below it, is it? Yeah. So I think this was an R rating, and it, the raters wanted to rate it an NC-17 rating based off the stab on Casey, and that happens at the beginning of the movie, where you, they see the knife penetrate and go in, and they wanted to make it an NC-17, but Wes Craven was like, 
now we've only got one shot guys sorry that's the only shot we've got we can't change it and they were just like oh okay we'll make it an, an r rating then so i think it's always been quite tame on the scare factor and of the gore factor it's never really been known for it i think when you talk about that first scene with casey i think that's one that's genuinely one of the reasons this whole franchise permeates the way it has done because a you've got probably the biggest star in the whole franchise is there and she gets capped in the first 10 minutes that whole setup is actually for the first time you watch it and you don't know what's going to happen it's actually really tense and it does play out really well and it's been lampooned and played around in various different ways but it's, it's still i think it really still does grab you and i think well done i think that's still one of the things that makes it really 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 hit the pop culture when that landed and i still think it's, it's probably the best scene in the film but then when the actual stab comes and happens i'm like that's not real it didn't stab her that's the moment that stab moment is the moment that would have made it an nc-17 yeah yeah. But yeah, like the Drew Barrymore death scene at the very beginning of the film, Drew Barrymore was the first person to be attached to the film, even before Wes Craven. Wes Craven came on because Drew Barrymore was involved. And um, she wanted this character specifically because she saw it as her like Janet Lee moment from Psycho. That killing off your main character at the beginning of the film, it was like something that had never been seen before. Ten minutes. Janet Lee dies in Psycho. <laughs> Shh, no one knows. David, you spoiled a film from... I know, I've met... I know, sorry, guys. <laughs> the, yeah, the marketing for the film was all centred around Drew Barrymore. If you look at, like, the posters of her, she's, like, the forefront of a lot of it. So everyone thought she was going to be one of the main characters. So to kill her off 10 minutes into a film was a big deal back then it was a real shock factor and how they did it as well stringing her up by a tree reminiscence of Suspiria if you guys have seen Suspiria it's genuinely and I think it is the most disturbing part of the whole franchise is when she's on the phone crying out for her parents you know, the parents are there her vocal cords have been cut and she's like help help me help me and that's heartbreaking heartbreaking Helen, where do you sit on screen? So my Netflix said I would 92% like this. And I think they probably went a little bit lower than how much I like it. I'd probably say I'm more like a, a 96, 97. Look at David's face. I love Scream. And <laughs> yes, Helen. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen three and four, maybe not four, because they went a little bit. But like, I've fallen back in love with them with five and six. And it's made me want to revisit them when you pick this i'd only just seen six so it kind of felt like the natural order to come back to this one but yeah killing off drew barrymore in the opening scene was just amazing it was like no one saw it coming it was crazy and i think if you're a big horror fan then it's just so much fun because you're like yeah they're like us we know that we know this like yeah what he's saying is right and then there's just so much fun with trying to guess who the killer is and Ghostface is just iconic. The voice, the mask, and I think when they have like multiple Ghostface, that's when it gets really, really fun because you're just not sure if it's Ghostface or if it's just some kids. And this one's this one's great. Like The cast in this one is pretty insane as well because you've got obviously the Fonz in it and you've got Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, such a great name. Yeah. Actually, Courtney Cox was probably the biggest star because Friends was in, it, in its zenith when this came out. And this is where she met David Arquette and then they got married and stuff. So, yeah, Courtney Cox was maybe head-to-head -head with Drew Barrymore, but certainly Drew was like the bigger film star, at least. 
Yeah, and you've got Rose McGowan's in it as well, Death by Cat Flap. So there's just so many great deaths in this as well. And it was kind of probably the first time I'd heard Nick Cave as well, the Red Right Hand. It's not a screen film if you don't have Red Right Hand. So yeah, it's just great. Although the one thing I realised watching it this time around is that some of the acting is awful. Like, I love it, but some of the acting is like, oh, I'm glad that... I've already got existing love for it because some of it is a bit like... Matthew Lillard's not in there though, right? Who you mean bad acting corporates? No, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. No, no, Matthew Lillard's the best. I think Neve Campbell in some scenes is a little bit just not quite... I think she gets much better as the series goes on and Skeet Yorich as well. It's just... He's a bit iffy, but, you know, he kind of serves the purpose (laughs) as being like kind of like the hot one who's a bit dangerous and looks like a killer like oh he isn't but oh he might be so uh yeah yeah he's basically like your johnny depp from a nightmare on elm street isn't he he's like he looks exactly like donnie depp's character looked in nightmare on elm street he was yeah he was in the craft wasn't he which we had on recently which also had neve campbell in it giving pretty much the same performance (laughs) has neve been on other films we've talked about but yeah look look into the craft guys if you want to know what you thought about that yeah, the scream, the scream. Fine, it's all right. Anyway, so what's... <laughs> oh, Kobe, come on. It's better than all right. Fran- it's a film that rejuvenated a franchise. You mean a genre? A genre, I did mean a genre. <laughs> it's a zeitgeist film, really. This is like uber 90s filmmaking, but obviously it's a slasher. It's not as bright and poppy as like Clueless, for example, but it's got all those trappings. And I enjoy it, but also I think it's extremely silly <laughs> at the same time. And not silly in like a knowing way. So what Skeet and Lillard up to? Why are they just psychopaths? And it just makes no real sense to me. And that's the main thing that kind of gets me. Just what, guys, what are you doing? Why are you playing this? How did you, did you scheme this up together? Should we just kill everyone for shits and giggles, guys? Yeah, this is, it just doesn't permeate my head. So I have to put that kind of stuff to the side. I'm thinking back to the first time I liked, watched it. Where first of all, you don't know there's two killers. You don't know that Drew Barrymore was going to get killed in the first place. It's generally kind of like, actually, what is going to happen? I actually quite like Gail Weathers as a storyline beat, but also there's some bits which are a bit nonsense in there as well. So I'm, I'm trying to think about it's the first time I, I watched it, it was just like generally had no kind of conception of what's going to happen. Based on that, you know, I like it. So <laughs> I'm not up there with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not up there like lording it with yourself, Dave. I'm sorry, but you know, you've got to watch it. I've seen two. I can't remember what happens in it. I don't think I've seen three and I haven't seen the rest of them. But I do feel like after watching this one again, it's like, I maybe should get around to watching the rest of them at some point. Whereas before I was like, I can't really be asked. No spoilers, but five and six are genuinely like good. But I'm not going to jump straight to five. Just the nerd in me, it's not going to let me go straight to five and six. I need to go to two, three, four, five and then six. It's important that you don't as well, because Six very much references every other screen film that's come before it. I, I think what they did well with that was the directors they got, the directors of Five and Six, Radio Silence, Radio Silence guys, who did yeah. Ready or Not, which again, I love Ready or Not. That's one of the best, again, sort of low-budget B-movie horror films from the last couple of years with Samara Weaving in it. Of course, we get in Scream Six as well, but yeah. Yeah, Wes Craven, he, he directed all four of them. So all four screen films was a Wes Craven film. And obviously in the fifth film, it's a massive, basically, there's quite literally a celebration to Wes Craven happening in the film. 
which is such a beautiful thing when you see it. Well, let's, uh, we're going obviously away from this current film, but yeah, I liked it. And I, th- I can understand why people, I can understand definitely why you, David, and other people like love it to bits. I think just sometimes, you know, when you just have that, that hill, sometimes you kind of die and you think, well, why are they killing people exactly? <laughs> it's the millennium. The motive is inconsequential. Oh, what is the quote Rand says? It's something like that. It's something like that. I think with Scream, uh, yeah, when you said about the acting as well, it's it was written by Kevin Williamson uh, as well at the time, who Dawson's Creek, exactly. So teenagers don't speak like that ever in real life. And, he, you know, he got his start on Dawson's Creek, then we did Scream, and they didn't really work. Did he do Final Destination? I think he, yeah, I think he might have done that as well. But he actually did a film with Craven later on again, and it was terrible. They did that. They did a werewolf one called Cursed. I mean, thankfully, Christina Ricci's career survived that. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's of its time in the 90s. It really is. That's, that's why it's probably not as high up for me, is that everything you guys have said, I 100% agree with. But also, when I watch it in the modern day, you're just like, yeah. That, and like you say, if you start looking at it analytically, None of it makes sense. Like, and there's so many plot holes in it. And I think as the series kind of goes on, they just they know that, and that's part of the enjoyment. That as long as the thrill ride of the film is good enough, you're not really gonna look at it too closely. As you as long as you're enjoying it as you're watching it, then you're not sitting there forensically going through it. Unlike you, David, who have forensically gone through it many, many times. I was gonna say, what plot holes are in number one? Just give me plot holes. Why? Oh, okay, I, we, we haven't got time. We haven't got time. Just to d- defend the Final Destination series, Kevin <laughs> Williamson did, I know what you did last summer, and uh, the first one, and The Faculty, which is great. So he didn't do any Final Destination. I also think Scream was his first thing. I don't think he did Dawson's Creek until late after Scream. I think Scream was his, the first thing he'd ever written. Oh, okay. Let's get investigator Helen on that case. Because, yeah, Dawson's Creek was at the end of my university when it finished. So that's probably right. And also... I was thinking when you said it, Neil, that I knew it was Kevin Williamson with Dawson's Creek. His vocabulary or dialogue is very different in Dawson's Creek to what it is here, where they are a lot more verbose in Dawson's Creek versus what they are here, to use a not very verbose terminology and phraseology there. Okay, so the plot hole... I could give you one plot hole if someone wants a plot hole. Yeah, Dewey and Gale. Come on, David. Okay. That was a bit... I can give yeah. you one. Okay, so <laughs> who is the ghost face that's in the bathroom scene where... Sydney Prescott gets chased out of the bathroom because it can't be either of other two known killers because it's just impossible for them to be there. So like the theory is that it's just like one of the random school kids that's running around doing it. But the writer and the director have said that it is one of the killers, but it, it physically can't be. So, <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. It's not really a plot hole. It's more of a... It's a great scene <laughs> though. Within the so film. does it matter? Oh yeah. Exactly. It does not. It's another one of those red herring setups because the scene beforehand, you see the police officer stamp out the cigarette and he's got those black boots on. And then you see the black boots come down over like the toilet, the, the toilet, bathroom yeah. doors. Yeah, so it's, it's, an, it's a red herring setup. Yeah, great scene. Let's talk quickly about, I mean, we'll talk about Courtney Cox and Drew Barrymore, Neve Campbell. It was always interesting screen presence for me. But my man, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, I love seeing him in stuff. And currently I'm watching Barry, where he plays kind of a main character role in there. And I also absolutely loved it when he appeared in Arrested Development as a lawyer. So again, I hadn't seen this for a few years. And I was like the fact that I forget he's in it, even if even though it's just a small bit, but it's quite a it's re- quite a, a meaty role and he has you know a few good points to make. The Fonz, guys, Henry Winkler, any points before we head to the scoring? I don't have any points on the Fonz as a person. <laughs> I could tell you that his character wasn't initially meant to die in the film. Okay. 
there was apparently not a death for a while. So like, guys, someone's going to die. So the Fonz was on the kill list. It's a good death. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and of course it's where Wes Craven himself has a cameo as the janitor. In his Freddy-style top. Yeah, in his Freddy crew, yeah. I think that was, it's one of the threads when you pull at it for me, I'm like, why are they killing the... Why not? Why are they killing him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I actually wanted to see how many of you guys can name the rules to surviving a slasher film. Who can name the rules? Well, the main ones, you've got to be a virgin. And you're not, not yeah, really not having sex. No drinking, no drugs. Never say, I'll be right back. Yes. Bam. They're the three. They're the core three from the first film. Bonuses if you can get any of the others from the rest of the film. No, I've gone blank. This is the most research Neil? I've ever heard you do in your life, man. <laughs> <laughs> they change. They get more developed. Yeah, so like the recalls and the yeah and, and the trilogy trilogy rules, yeah. So like, don't fuck with the original. Yeah, the franchise. It's when it gets rebooted, main characters can die, and there's a lot in six. I was like, whoa, they really upped the rules in this one. Before we head to the scores, we've got to ask, what's your favourite scary movie? <laughs> Scream. <laughs> this one. <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know. We have what we do in the shadows. That's quite scary. A little scary. <laughs> no, it's not. Come on. I think I said. It's probably something like Alien or Aliens. Yeah, for me, it's got to be The Thing. Carpenter. Yeah, just one of the best endings to a film ever. You might not like our recording of it. Helen, what's your favourite scary movie? <laughs> so, I mean, it's hard to choose a favourite, isn't it, really? Out of so many beautiful babies. I actually thought, it's like, oh, no, what is mine? <laughs> so I'm going to say the original Candyman. Oh, that is good. That is good. good The remake's also amazing. Did enjoy the one. Yeah, did enjoy that. But yeah. You mean the most recent remake? The 92 Tony Todd Candyman is a good one. And also, I do like some of the Final Destinations, although they're a bit far-fetched. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, when he said Tony Todd, it brought me back to... He is indeed. He's in one of them, at least. All right, well, let's head to the scores. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, David, with your recommendability. It's a scream, baby. Five out of five. Five out of five. Five out of five. You as well for that, Neil? Yeah, five out of five for me as well. I mean, it's a genre-defining classic. 
I'm also going to go for the solid five. Wow. I'm going to preface my score here for yourself, David. It's obviously ties in with your podcast, We Needed Roads. My benchmark for giving a film a five is Back to the Future 1. Because that's a film where it doesn't matter who you are, you don't need to know anything about their background or what kind of films they're like. You can recommend Back to the Future to them. You don't have to ask them any other... It's like, what films should I watch? I've never watched Back to the Future. This isn't one I can't recommend this to everyone because it is... Some people hate horror films. Some people get shit scared of them. And also, I do find it a bit nonsensical in places. That said, it's... This came out in 97, 98, which is... 96. Was it 96? I was it 90... When, when did Screen 2 come out? Was that... I think my, maybe my friends were talking about 90. I think that's 7. But I remember me and my friends talking about 1 and 2 as a, as a kind of a package deal. And I remember that being at the time I'd, I was doing my A-levels. So it was like peak zeitgeist of a movie and the excitement and buzz around it was really good. So if you haven't seen it, I'd be surprised to recommend it. I'm going to go for four. I'm going to go for a four. That's still pretty good. That's good. It's almost like a, a film standard that you have to have watched at some point in your life, unless you've, you don't like any kind of horror film or general fun, or you like picking holes. <laughs> Repeat viewing score, David. Again, I, I love this film, five out of five. It's, it's quite literally like a six month ritual for me to watch this movie. I'll, <laughs> I'll watch it pretty much every six months. I love it. I'm the sort of person that will go and watch and digest other content surrounding it. Is there a Reddit thread on Scream? Most likely. I'm not big on Reddit, but there most likely is. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get into Reddit is you find one community that you like. It's the sort of film that'll have a drinking game. Absolutely. Rewatch it for the drinking game. So yeah, rewatchability because you're looking for all the hidden clues as to who the killers are every time. So, you know, the slight like looks of the eyes, the moments between characters. It's five out of five. Neil? I'm going to go a four on... <laughs> you're dead to me. <laughs> figured that, yeah. Only because I've seen it so many times. And for me, it's not a once in every six months thing like you, but... It is one of these things that I, I, I think whenever a new one comes out, I'll go and rewatch the old ones again. And I, I'll always watch one and two. And then I kind of stop and go, but I don't really need to see three and four. I think it, with where it ages itself, there's certain films when you rewatch them and they're just all time classics. And when they were made, does it really factor into them so much? But I think with Scream, it really does drop itself in the 90s, you know, it's, and that just for that reason at all. And I think, yeah, like Kobe said, you can't recommend it to everyone if you, if you are certain people who don't like horror films. So yeah, so four for me. I'm also going to go with a four. I really, really, really enjoyed rewatching it. And I think the screen films do lend themselves to a good rewatch because once you know the killer, you're like, oh, didn't get it right. What were the clues that I missed? And they're good fun. I enjoy it. So yeah, maybe I'm not like once every six months because that would be crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know, you, you got like some like... Ghost mask like hiding in in your cupboard somewhere. Scream Seven is in the UK, and you know the story going there maybe. Yeah, so a good four. They're fun to rewatch. You can like you can see now that death was fake. It's always the fake deaths you have to look out for. Yeah, I'm going to go for four as well. Look, it's one of those things when you success, it was like yeah, not seen for a while. Bonza, although I didn't say Bonza because that's insane. And I will watch it, I'm sure I'll watch it once every three or four or five years. And I think that's the kind of cadence I need to forget about some of the scuff that I always find like a bit troublesome. But I do 
feel I need to power through three and four to get to four and five to get to five and six. It's just, do I have the heart to do that right now? I'm not so sure. Small screen score. I'm interested to see how this is going to go. David. So I'm not going to give it a perfect score, this one, although I do want to, <laughs> because I would actually pay to see this in the cinema and I pay, you know, a decent price to see it in the cinema if I could, because I love it that much. However, and, and, and it being a horror film, I feel like horror films are better experiences in the cinema because you mm. don't have that option to pause it and go to a Wii. So you've just got that existential dread of watching something all the time. You can't break that tension in the cinema. So that's important to me. However, it's not really that type of film as well. It's not like an hereditary where that's really important. It's Scream. So I'm going to give it like a 4.7. I'll put it up two extra points because I'm because I like it. Neil? 4.2 for me. Because again, yeah, I agree with what David said about the cinema. But with Scream, David, if you're watching that by yourself, on the TV late at night, and your phone rings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I suppose, you, you don't remember at the time, but when it came out, if you were watching it, your friends would call you on purpose, literally, and do the voice. <laughs> Especially if you're watching it, like, on Halloween or something like that, or, like, doing, like, a horror now. How would they know when you're watching it? Oh, is this because when it was on TV, you mean? Yeah, or just on the VHS back in the day. I know, but how would they know when you're watching on VHS in my... Because you would, uh, yeah, you'd have people around, and, like, someone would just go into another room or something and do it like that. I'm going to poke holes in this story, Neil. The story doesn't make a lot of sense here. As soon as someone leaves the room, are you going to... Are you going to ring with the voice? Because, yeah, stop it. Get the blood, get the ghost face mask with the blood you could pump through it. There was that, obviously, it became the super lazy person's Halloween costume for a bit, wasn't it? The ghost face. That was me. That still is, isn't it? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Helen, small screen score. So I didn't see this at the cinema and I know there were like a couple of screenings possibly around the time that six came out and I, I missed them, but I would really like to see it. And I, I just had a look, I think Prince Charles have done a screen marathon before. If they did it again, I think I probably would be very, 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 very tempted because seeing the most recent ones have really kind of revitalised that stabby, Yes, people are getting stabbed. Love that I have deep in my heart. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I'm going to give it a bit lower than that, 3.8. Because I think this would be really good fun in Prince Charles. This is another thing we bring up quite often. If it was on at the Prince Charles when you're walking past and you had the time to watch it, would you go in? And for me, this would be, yeah, definitely yes. And you just get so much more from it. And you get lots from it from the people who'd seen it before whether it's a quote along or just a standard screening, I think you'd get a, a new perspective and experience on it. Would I do a marathon? It would be quite a, way, it'd put quite a nice way to do watch them all for the first time, I think, as a marathon. So I probably would if I'd, I guess it must be 13 odd hours to get through them all. <sighs> be tiring, though. That's your birthday treat, David, for when it happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Engagement score, David. Engagement score for this particular film, because later on it's, sort of not as great it is better but again i wouldn't give it a perfect five i'd give it maybe like a 4.5 a 4.5 on the engagement level i'm gonna go a bit lower i'm gonna give it a 3.5 and it's only because i've seen it so many times now that it's not something that like you say like a back to the future whenever that's on 
or whenever Hot Fuzz is on ITV2, which it always is, for some reason, I would just end up watching it the whole way through. But for something like Scream, I think it's not one of those films you just drop in and drop out of. For me, it's because of the building attention in it and the way it kind of goes. You kind of need to watch it in one go. And, uh, yeah, sometimes when I've had had it on in repeats, I've not made it the whole way through it again. So, yeah, I'd do a, a 3.5 for that. Yeah, I, I'm going to go a solid four for this one. I think the later ones are a little bit kind of slicker and a bit more complex in like how they drop their clues and they're, they're a bit more kind of if you didn't pay attention then you're going to miss something quite important whereas this one is is kind of like it's the first one isn't it so they're trying things out they're just kind of taking you slowly through it are there actually any clues in this as to can you in a rewatch can you actually work out who does it oh, oh yeah Could, oh yeah there was a couple of those so, so is like eye movement eye contact with people there's um certain moments where characters will be somewhere at one place and not others. There's a big red herring moment in the first one where Skeet Ulrich's character will come in and the phone will drop out of his pocket and then New Campbell, uh, like, uh, Sydney like, immediately phones the police thinking it's him because it was him. <laughs> so, But that's like a, a misdirection fake yeah, red herring because the screen, because Ghostface phones are in the police station because at that point you don't know it's two. There's two people doing it. So, yeah, there are. But is that a clue, though? Is that just... It really is. It is a clue. You know, the shoes that they're wearing, each of them has sort of different aspects on... I mean, you could even tell which person, once you've looked at it properly, is the ghost face. Because of the height. Because of the height, because of the stabbing that they do. One of them's quite, like, aggressive stabbing, and one of them's more, like, intimate with their stabbing. So who killed Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore, I think, was... Skeet. Yeah, I think it was Billy Loomis. He kills and then goes over to try and have sex with Neve Campbell afterwards. Killing makes you horny. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, I'm going to give you my final score. My engagement is, yeah, because I watch it so infrequently, I'm still like, I'm like, when I press play, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is good, this is fun. Four. Overall score here is 4.29375. That's good. Well done. Bravo. You've broken the four barrier. It'll be quite high up there. I'm guessing you want to see how high it is. I'm going to say it's not that high. Well, it's, it's high. It's, it's up there, but it's not going to be like super high. So let's just... I blame Neil. You know what, Neil? Screw, <laughs> screwed it over there with the 3.5. <laughs> so everyone who's watching, you can go to our website, which is www.flixwatcher.tv. And when you get there, at the top menu, there's the scoreboard. Boom, click on that. And you can see all the films we've rated and you can sort them by overall score. And our highest scoring film at the moment is 4.78125. There's two of them joint top with When Harry Met Sally and The Fugitive, which I think is a great combo there. But so 4.29 takes you to about 30th down. We don't have, you can't see the numbers. You can't see exactly where about, but it's, it's there lodged in between Black Godfather and Don't Think Twice, which are films which not many people would have seen. And Nebraska is in that, that kind of ballpark. So Mean Girls, I think it's probably quite a good double bill actually with, with Scream. I love Mean um, Girls. I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but before we leave, guys, as well as going to our website, 
flixwatcher.tv forward slash scoreboard to see all the scores of all the films. Do head to our Twitter account. We are at flixwatcherpod because we do put a shout out before we record each film. Look out for a tweet saying something similar to we're reviewing Scream with Neil and Dave from at Needed Roads. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and your score out of five stars for an on-air shout out on this here podcast. And we had one review. David, do you want to read our review? Oh, I can do. Oh, from Liam H. Dempsey, who says, not just my favourite slasher film, but my favourite horror movie, full stop. It revolutionised an entire genre, and Neve Campbell is the ultimate screen queen. Five stars. I like you, Liam. You are my kind of man. <laughs> Liam's been on here before, and he's going to be, as we record, he's going to come on soon with some other films. So do look out for Liam. He runs a Spotlight podcast alongside two others so yeah he's well known in the uk podcasting realms david neil thank you very much for joining us thank you very much for bringing scream to us can you sign off by telling us where we can find you guys online name your podcast again and say goodbye to the listeners neil i'll let you do it because you are the as you frequently dubbed me in it before i'm not very good on social media so yeah you can find us at needed roads on twitter Pretty much you can find our podcast on anywhere. Search on Google, The We Need Roads Podcast. You can find pretty much everywhere on Apple, Spotify, our main listeners. And uh, you can also head over to our Instagram and clean away the cobwebs. And occasionally David will post a link to the episodes on there as well. Or whatever you've been watching once in a while, David, when you do actually escape out to the cinema. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. Do head over to this podcast app that you listen to this on and go find Who Needed Roads and tell them we sent you. Guys, thank you very much. And we'll see you all very soon. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.